Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, uh, a podcast where myself, Joe Fremming, and my good pal, Paul Muad'Dib, we each pick an album each week, and we discuss it, and then we rate it. And this week, I came up with a real humdinger, didn't I, Paul? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, if you missed last week's announcement and Paul's uh, groaning and uncontrollable sobbing. <laughs> I, I was crying like a bitch. <laughs> I was too, Paul. This is this is what we do for our art. Um, oh, so, God. I picked the 2003 album, Sane Anger, by Metallica. Now, Paul, uh, what are your thoughts on Metallica in general? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> All right, taking this aside, um, I am. I'm, I, we both own Metallica shirts. <laughs> um, I remember both of us wearing Metallica shirts in, in, in high school. Um, I enjoy Metallica. Uh, um, you know, the the Black Album I know is divisive. Like that's you know when you draw the line nowadays, people go the Black Albums when things changed. When the Black Album came out, however, at the time it. it don't let anyone fucking tell you otherwise. Everyone loved the Black Album. Yeah, it's a great album. It's, it's a great album. You know, again, now you look at it and go, whatever. Um, Load was all right. Reload's about when I started to get leery. It was Reload for me when I was like, mm, not sure, Metallica. Um, you know, stuff after that, it's like real whatever with me with Metallica. Um, you know, there's there's the politics, there's the there's there's the bullshit. I'm sure we're gonna get into that. I don't agree with with them on, and where they started as a band and where they found themselves at is not the same people. Um, but Metallica does know how to rock, and they are for you know you, you can sit there and say I fucking hate Metallica. Guarantee you, there's at least ten Metallica songs that you like, and you're just not admitting it. Yeah, see, I, I it was weird for me because in high school I liked Load and Reload. Uh, they were just kind of different. Granted, there was basically Metallica trying to basically be Alice in Chains, but mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. They had they had good song, even like for their faults. Uh, even like up until this album, even like their bad albums had songs on it, and that's usually so. Except for like maybe Kill 'Em All, the production yep. was. Uh, top notch. Yes, 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 yes. I completely kill them all. Is you know, it's their first album. You know, it was it was a different. That was a completely different band. It it doesn't hold up studio wise. Let's let's put it yeah. that way. So so now let's let's venture into where Metallica is when they start uh, recording Saint Anger uh, mm. around two thousand one. It's two thousand one. Uh, they're riding high after suing Napster. Uh, motherfucker which, uh, a lot of people may not realize they lost a lot of fans over that because uh, the way it was framed back then was like the rich being upset at the poor for whatever and, Yeah, you know, I was definitely in the corners like fuck you guys you know like downloading is not a crime downloading eventually killed the record store industry <laughs> it, it, no, it did it did now I will say this however um, you know, there. I want to talk a little bit about the Napster thing because uh, that was, I mean, 
And I was in high school using Napster in high school, like in our both high school. Both of us were. Yeah, both of us were using Napster in our high school, right? Um, you know, there was artists that came out for Napster, and there was yep. artists that were against Napster. Um, David Bowie famously was for Napster. Neil Young. Yeah. Neil Young. And they Chuck looked at D. it. Chuck D. Yeah. Public Enemy, yeah. Yeah, because they looked at it, and where things have gone now, like Radiohead. Um, Radiohead puts out their own shit now through their waist, right? Yep. Um, Nine Inch Nails too. Yep. Um, you know, so they there was this thing of when Napster came out, it killed record stores because it hurt the record companies yep. because it gave artists the ability to go into business for themselves for the first time. And you know, then you had the Lars. Yeah. <laughs> so and, you have Lars at these. Uh... Like Senate committee committee meetings, and then uh, during court, mm-hmm. uh, just being the smuggest piece of shit. Uh, he really was a piece of shit during that, right? He still, and he still is a piece of shit. <laughs> famously, I don't know if it's still up, but Newgrounds dot com had a had a had a great Lars um, parody thing of his thing of with Napster. Um, it was brilliant. <laughs> And like during it, like it shows him like all like getting all this money and like you know giving fingers, giving a finger to the fans and all this shit, because that's really what it was at the time, you know. They even got uh, mocked by South Park, where the joke was like Lars couldn't afford his gold plated pool. Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, the the and don't worry, everybody, the record companies figured it out via streaming so they're still screwing over their artists even more so now yeah oh it's 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 bad now they again if if lars hadn't sued napster i think they would have had it would turn out better for artists in general yeah. mm-hmm. but i the thing is like as i'm old i get why he did it uh you know it's you have you know it's a commodity and especially in the industry i'm in which is you know news Giving things away for free is not a, a very good business model. <laughs> no, no, so, no, it's not. It's not. So we have the Napster thing. So going into this album, there's a lot of things happening. They decide to uh, get a therapist and also document the, the making of this new album uh, with a documentary movie, uh, which is always a bad sign. Uh-huh. Where you're at in a band, uh, <laughs> I think this is what you would call like the "let it be" moment. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Beatles infamously made a documentary at their worst moment in their uh, <laughs> career <laughs> yep. as a band. Mm-hmm. Metallica did the same thing, uh, so they go. They're going in with this, so they have this going on. Longtime bassist Jason Newstead walks away from the band. He quits. He quits because uh, he's not allowed via ultimatum by James Hetfield to not have a side project. It's either Metallica or nothing. The problem is the other guys have families. Jason Newstead is just a working musician. He always wants to be working on music, so he doesn't have that to go back to. So he wants to work on new music. Plus, Paul, you know the history. Jason Newstead spent 15 years as the FNG, the fucking new guy. New guy. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yes, he did. That poor son of a bitch. And if you watch like old documentaries they put out and like from like Black Album on, 
Uh, even if you listen to Injustice, uh, they cut his bass. They buried his bass in the mix. Like they just treated him like shit. And as a matter of fact, there is a, a version online um, called um, and Justice, Justice for, for Jason. Jason. Yeah, where it's a complete recut where someone put the bass back in. And guess what? It's a better album. Yeah, and it's I, a and way I, better album. Like With the bass in there, I would say Injustice for All is probably my favorite Metallica album. Exactly. Without the bass, I go back to Master of Puppets. I would I, I would concur with you on that one, sir. Yeah, with the bass, Kill Em All is amazing. And I do like that album without it, but that mix is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> he leaves the band right, you know, at the dawn of recording. They're filming, they're going to film this documentary about them making it the new album. And they're, you know, they're talking with this, this therapist guy. And that's another reason Newstead left, as, you know, he said it was pretty lame that they couldn't talk to each other without the help of a therapist. You know, they've known each other all these years, but this is, you know, I chalk it up to rich people problems. <laughs> rich, rich, rich people problems. Yes, sir. Yeah, and I think Newstead would as well. Uh, it's it just seemed kind of stupid, and boy, did it ever! <laughs> so he, with his absence, they go in the studio with no music, no songs written. They're doing this basically as a collaborative, so it's, they're coming up with the songs pretty much on the fly. <laughs> with uh, their producer, Bob Rock. Now, if you watch the movie, the the documentary that came out, uh, Some Kind of Monster, really shows what goes wrong with this right away. (laughs) Uh, One, Bob Rock has integrated himself into the band, even to a point where there's a point where Newstead shows interest in coming back and Bob Rock talks them kind of out of it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. I see. Now... Truth be told, I saw the documentary back when it came out, right? You watched it more recently than this. I could yeah, not. I bought bring, it for this podcast. I couldn't bring myself to, I'll be honest, I couldn't. It was, now, I, I'm sure years later, right? Now, we're looking at almost 20 years later. I'm sure if I did watch it again, I'd have a different lens on it. But my God. It's very um, interesting. It's interesting. It's hilarious. Uh, they take themselves so seriously and they're so ridiculous. And they don't realize how ridiculous they look. It, it's it's fascinating. I would suggest people watch it. Even if you're not a fan of Metallica, it's an interesting documentary to watch. It's basically watching a band pretty much fall apart and kick up the worst thing they've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm surprised they actually continued on. Uh, it's also interesting to, not surprising, the last album they made with Pop Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's right. This was the last Bob Rock album. Yes. Yeah. So not only do they have that going on, and they have the this therapist who's slowly kind of integrating him. Like he's giving them notes in the studio. Oh my <laughs> which god! Is just insanity. Like that's not his place. Uh, James Hetfield goes into rehab. Yeah. For six yeah. months. Yeah. Delaying the recording process. And it's, you know, this is, you know, that's a big move. Uh, This band is infamously nicknamed Alcoholica. Yes, it is. Uh, And it's, you know, you watch it, you kind of, you when you're watching the documentary, you're really kind of rooting for them because, you know, it's obvious 
he's not in a good place at the beginning. Like he skips his son's first birthday. So he can go hunting in Russia and drink vodka. Oh God. That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that too. What an asshole. Yeah. So, so he comes back and it's like, by the time he comes back, it's already been a year since they first started kind of recording the album. And he can only work from like I believe it's like noon to four. <laughs> noon to four. It's noon to four. <laughs> yeah, it's noon to four, uh, and he doesn't want any of anybody else working on the album after he leaves. <laughs> Which uh, fuck you, James Headfield, for making me agree with Lars on something. That is bullshit. <laughs> Well, you know, could you, okay, I just want to bring up some of the other, like, crazy, like, like bands we've looked at, right? Could you imagine Pink Floyd if, you know, if if, if David Gilmore uh, during um, Momentary Lapse of Reason was like, we can only work from noon to four and you guys aren't allowed to touch anything until I'm gone, you know, while I'm gone. I mean, Hell, we might have got a better album. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. All right, go on. So... You know, he comes back, and so the recording process in itself, you know, like I said, it's collaborative. So they're writing lyrics together. It This is, you know, it doesn't really work for Metallica. Like, their songs, like, their best songs was written before they go in the studio by Hetfield and Lars, and they play for the band. Uh, Run, Load, and Reload is when they became more collaborative with the other two because they'd probably quit if they had not... <laughs> Sure, right? Yeah. But you start seeing, in the documentary, you start seeing this Frankenstein thing coming together. And they are using Pro Tools to chop up three-hour-long jams and make them into songs. Jesus Christ, on a crutch. On top of that, and probably the most egregious thing, is Lars Ulrich's choice of the drums. Oh, oh, dude, it's so he sounds like a kid hitting pots and pans. Like, what is is that the hi hat or whatever? It, it's well, no, it's the, the snare. snare. It's there. It's the snare drum, dude. We okay. When I was in a band, um, I've been in a couple bands, and we had a, this amazing drummer. He really was. He was fucking great. Um, problem was, he had Phil Collins syndrome. He was a better singer than he was drummer, and he was an amazing drummer. Um, so that kind of caused problems. Um, and um <clears throat> he would always call it the farting on a snare drum sound. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds terrible. It is a bad yeah. sound. Like we'll talk about when we get into the actual album, but it's jarring from right from the start. Yeah, it's and this is where yeah. I kind of round back to Bob Rock because his role as a producer is to nip that shit in the bud. Like, you're damn right. It sounds is. bad. Mm-hmm. And you, you see in the documentary, and you especially hear it afterward, like when they're talking, like, let's make it sound like we're like raw and in a garage or whatever. Why? We already, you already have inju- not injustice, but uh, kill them all. And you have the garage days EP that they put out, which literally sounds like a garage band. Yep. <clears throat> uh, here you have a garage band sound that's cleaned up by pro tools so it just sounds like really shitty demos. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's that's the perfect way to describe it, Joe. It sounds like shitty demos. And yeah. so <laughs> you have this whole process. So at the point, so it gets to a point, uh, they're recording. And again, it's it's 
piecemeal, like at least certain songs are, where they're just like cutting up jams and making them in the songs with Pro Tools. There's a scene where they have reporters in listening, like music journalists listening to like, you know, some of this music. Uh, you can tell on their face that the they don't have the gall to say this is really bad. The only person who's honest is when Lars Ulrich brings his dad in. <laughs> I forgot uh, his about dad that. listens, I think it's maybe frantic or something, and he goes, you know, and his uh, I think his dad is Danish. Yeah. <laughs> like his very European accent, his very play. He's like, this is a song that I would suggest you you delete. <laughs> That is phenomenal. Oh. And so they record the album. They have to, they, like we discussed a little bit of this before we start recording. The only thing that brings them together is their mutual decision that they need to get rid of this fucking therapist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of the climax of the movie, right? That's when they realize we're better than what we thought we were. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, they hire a new bassist. Uh, what's his name? Robert, Robert Trulio. Yep, yeah, really. from Infectious Grooves and Ozzy. He's a great bass player. He is. Uh, he's pro- <laughs> Dude, I probably should have hired him while recording this album, but because <laughs> <laughs> you get pretty uh, generic bass from Bob Rock. He's not. No. And again, mm-hmm. Bob Rock's kind of like he's my who I pinpoint the most as the problem with how this sounds because it sounds bad and as a producer considering he produced black album uh, he should have known better well and then and i also want to bring up you know a little bit there you're talking about that because again i have a little bit of you know insight in that having been in some bands i think also bob rock is why lars is drumming is so bad because i don't think people realize when you're not in a band just how intricately entangled the bass and the drum are if your bassist and your drumming our drummer aren't able to sync, nothing's gonna sound right. It's just what it is. It's just it's 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 the nature of the beast. Um, you know. And I definitely get the vibe that Bob Rock and, and Lars Ulrich were not gelling during these three hour fucking jam <laughs> sessions. No, no, no. And uh they also had a another interesting uh like this decision which was no guitar solos in a metallica album where song some songs are like what eight nine minutes long <laughs> you we talked a little bit about that before you know just a minute before we got on air and i said to you you don't make an eight minute fucking song without a guitar solo or some kind of fucking solo yeah and and it was it goes to another thing with with this album it has a very uh, new metal vibe and new metal was god awful. Uh, it was a dark era for like hard rock music. Like I was so happy when like the White Stripes kind of like broke because hey, we have guitar solos and rock music. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you had like Lincoln Park and Puddle of Mud and fucking Stained and Limp Bisc. You got all you know, like the worst fucking bands you could imagine. And they all didn't play solos, not be, and they all they always had the same reason. It was like, oh, that's so pretentious. Like, 
honestly, I don't think they could even play souls. I don't think they were technically gifted enough, and that's why they just didn't include them. Right. It, 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 new metal was like, no, I love metal and I love punk. Okay. Um, you don't have a lot of solos in punk because the the talent, you know, it, not that the talent's not there, but the talent's not there. It's just not the yeah. style, right? And it, it doesn't fit, you know. Well, I they're mean, also there by by default. A lot of their songs are only three minutes long. Right, 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 right. And this new metal came in, and it was like this. It was like these punk kids that wanted to be harder than punk, and didn't have the talent to do it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry. That's you didn't have the talent, the edge, the creativity. Like I, you know, I know like, that's Slippery Bob has more talent in that three minutes than all of the stained albums put together. Yeah, and again, I know I'm coming off as like really pretentious saying that, right? Like, dude, you know, you didn't get a you didn't get a record deal. I did get a record deal. I turned it down. Um, so you know, fuck off. Um, it was, it was, it was bad. All right. I mean, it just, the talent wasn't, wasn't there. Um, so yeah. you want to ask me about that record deal off air? I'll be happy to tell you the story. <laughs> we'll get to it. But <clears throat> so we've kind of come to the point. So we're almost to the end here. Cause I want to add a little of my personal experience <laughs> with this album, please. So the album comes out. I'm working at a place called CD Warehouse in St. Cloud. Mm -hmm. I, and I worked this Tuesday afternoon, the Tuesday it came out. I have not seen people sell a brand new album that fast used in my whole life. Oh, really? Uh, I swear it must have been like 15, like dudes coming in. Like this sounds like shit. I need to sell it. (laughs) That's okay. I, yeah, I didn't know that. You never told me that story. Um, I remember. I remember. I came in and saw you a couple times when you worked at uh, CD Warehouse, um, and when you worked at the Fetus. But yeah, dude, I I've never seen any. I've never seen a turnaround like some. There was like I remember one guy say he just he went to Best Buy, picked it up, put it in a CD player in his truck, and then just beeline to our store <laughs> <laughs> to get rid of it. <laughs> So that was kind of like the general reaction. I, and I remember putting it in, and that was, that was the first and last time I listened to it until we did this this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I just remember just like, this sounds like shit. And now as we get into the part where we talk about the album, my opinion has not changed. This album sounds like shit. This, this is... Okay. <clears throat> We've done... Some bad albums. Um, Amanda Lear comes to mind, Joe. This made me want to listen to Amanda Amanda Lear. Um, I was like, I will take that. This made I listened to metal machine music over and over and over again. I would not listen like I listened to this album three times, and each time I had to get fucking ibuprofen um, by the end because I was just miserable listening to this pile of shit. Yeah, it's <clears throat> this is an album again. Uh, it shouldn't have been released as is. It needs a lot of polishing. Mm-hmm. If Bob Rock had done his fucking job as a producer <laughs> and actually mastered this and produced it and 
got the vocals right, so it didn't sound like James Hetfield sounds like a 50-year-old man croaking at the microphone. We, I think, uh, and you cut some of these songs, you would have had probably not the greatest Metallica album, but more of a listenable one. <laughs> hmm so, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's get to Paul, because this is going to be the short part. <laughs> Nothing, nothing, (laughs) fucking nothing, dude. I hate this album so goddamn much. I mean, you know, frantic, you know, saying anger, fuck you. I mean, and the problem with all of it truly is we talked about it with, um, you know, one of your major complaints with Blessed Are the Sick was the drumming seemed off. There's so many times where I'm like, Lars, you're off beat. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. see in the documentary, he doesn't give a shit a lot of the times when they're recording. <laughs> no, I mean, he, it goes off beat. There's like, you can't get a rhythm with the album. And you sit there and you go, yeah, you know, that's the most metal thing. Fuck off. You yeah. know, fuck it's, off. It's you're rough. making excuses. I will be a little diplomatic and I'll say there's ideas for songs in here that I think would work in a different context. Uh, I think frantic. I, I listened to the live version and, you know, they add solos and they don't have that fucking snare and it's not a bad song, but like on this, when you listen to the studio, it just sounds horrendous and it kicks it off and you got like the good clunk, clunk, clunk snare. Sound. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah. And you get that, like I said, you know, you get that you know, there's, there's times in it where he goes so speed and, the bass isn't matching uh, again because Bob Rock, he can't match what Lars is doing, and you know then you got Hatfield singing, and it just becomes like it. It really becomes like again, like this is something that Metallica should have handled the record studio and went in the bathroom and laughed at, like Lou Reed did. <laughs> They're gonna have to put this out. Like there's. You're right. There's ideas. And, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the podcast and before we started recording um, was, we, you know, you had brought up, yes, yeah, some of the live stuff is good. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I have heard some of the live stuff. Um, and it's 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 but the songs are so fundamentally different that I can't sit there and say that Frantic, the studio version, is the same song that they do live. It's <laughs> yeah. not. And it should <laughs> have a different... learning from the mistakes of this album to right. make and, it better. <laughs> And I mean, okay, if they did load and reload, they should do Saint Anger and Mount Anger, right? Do a sequel and fix this shit. Yeah. And maybe is, it'd be better. This is an album, like, I thought about, like, yeah, they should, like, release it, uh, remaster it, put a little more production value in it, pay more attention to the vocals so they don't sound as, like, you know, because when you listen to, like, other Metallica albums, like, James Hetfield's voice, like, it rocks and it sounds good. And you don't get that here. No, no. Which is, you know, like, you know, sometimes you need a little assistance on vocals, especially on a studio album. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get that here, so it's it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> you you use the right word. This is an embarrassing album. Okay. I think they are embarrassed by this album. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they are. And let's we'll talk about that afterwards. Uh, or you know, when we get when we get closer to the end here. Um I don't think they are. Um well, because, they should be if they're not. 
So okay, well I'm gonna bring some of this stuff up. We'll talk about it now. Where the the the, it says right here, the album's snare drum sound was widely criticized. Uh, Ulrich has dismissed the criticisms in July of last year. I stand (laughs) behind it a hundred percent because at the moment that was the truth. Now Hatfield said there are things I would like to change on some records, but it gives him so much character that you can't change them. St. Anger could use a little less tin snare drum, but those are the things that make those records part of history. No, sir. No, no sir. No, no, you guys are. Yeah, and that's where the that's where the documentary comes in because it's unintentionally hilarious. They just don't realize how uh, smug and goofy they they come off like. Before I saw this movie, you know, I kind of, you know, they always just seem like, you know, salt of the earth, kind of like blue collar mm-hmm. bands. And that movie just destroys it when you see Lars selling his art collection for $9 million at like downtown Manhattan Gallery. Jesus. Like these guys are just, yeah, they're not the the image they put out. No, no. And, and they, they haven't been for a long time, right? And again, we knew that though from Napster, right? They they were not looking out for the artists. They were, I mean, for the consumer, they're not looking out for the fans. Lars was looking out so he could buy his nine million dollar art piece. Yeah, right. I mean, <clears throat> this they became very quickly. Um, I think uh, parodies of themselves. Oh, they definitely are a parody of themselves yeah. in that movie. Something they haven't really fully recovered from, from this album especially, and that documentary in particular. It it just turned a lot of people off. For me, I just find endless amusement just because they just don't get it. It's like Spinal Tap, but like with real people. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and the fact that like, you know, in 2019, Lars was like, Oh, the, it's just what it was, man. I wouldn't change it. It's like, well, then that's probably why it didn't sell that many records. Lars, and if, if it did, a lot of people were going to the stores I was working at to get fucking rid of it. Well, yeah. And, you know, again, I I, I gotta, I, I, it's, it's fucking bad. I mean, yeah, I know bad. we're, I know we're sitting here, you know, you know, we don't, we can't play the albums, obviously, you know, because of, um, copyright and shit like that but my god this is one of the few times where i wish i could play a sample of the song for you guys and just be like listen to this fucking 30 second clip because it sucks <laughs> oh, it's terrible and and just like aside just because it, it the most hilarious moment in this movie for me <laughs> so <laughs> lars through the, the therapy thing with the guy he talks of dave mustaine now not a lot of people know dave mustaine was in Metallica for a hot minute mm-hmm. <laughs> until, mm-hmm. uh, but he's he's a mean drunk. He's and a they mean booted drunk. him to the curb. They woke him up one morning and kicked him the fuck out. Like, now that now. story's hilarious because they were on tour and they kicked him out and they didn't even give him a bus ticket. They didn't give him a yeah. bus ticket or a plane ticket home. I mean, that's how much of a son of a bitch the guy was when he was drunk. And so they had this little meeting. And they're kind of like being honest and like Mustaine's like, I was a victim, you know, all these people saying, oh, yeah, they kicked you out of Metallica. The dude deserved every fucking 
bad yeah. thing about from the Metallica backlash that happened to him. He is a giant prick. Like I've seen Megadeth live. It was one of the worst live shows I've ever seen, just because how much of a raging asshole uh, Dave Mustaine is. Uh, uh, okay, let me uh, let me let me. Okay, I'm gonna give you a face off here, dude. What'd you say? He's as bad as Axl Rose. He's worse than Axl Rose. Ooh, that's fighting words, sir. Because he is just a raging asshole, and in the you know, and like the movie tries to make you feel like sympathy for him for how it ended. But it doesn't give you the whole context of why they kicked him out and why all that happened. Uh, because he was a, a mean drunk. They couldn't be around him. And he's like, well, if you guys would have told me to go AA and all that, I would have. It's like, no, he. anybody who's been around a mean drunk in their early 20s, <laughs> you're, you're not, not talking that guy into going to AA. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not talking. That is just fantasy on Mustaine's part and, uh, you know, they, it's laughable, and it's the most hilarious scene because Lars is like, yeah, I didn't think of any of this at all. And you can tell he doesn't care. <laughs> and that's the only time I felt, like, on the same page with Lars Ulrich. That's <laughs> like, phenomenal. Fuck you, dude, like, you, you, sh- you landed on your feet. Quit fucking complaining. <laughs> right? Right? And, I mean, and that's the other thing, too, man. It's just like, like, okay, first of all, and again, it's been a long time. Since I've seen this damn documentary, explain to me why again Dave Mustaine was in these fucking what 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 was was in these meetings. They don't really explain it themselves. They're just like <laughs> that's the weird. It just happens. Like you're like one minute they're like talking and like you know James is like yeah well you guys can't work after four because that's when I'm done and then. They- <laughs> Like pop to Dave Mustaine or whatever. And you're like, wait, why are they talking to him? Like, uh, and it's supposed to be like this big confrontation. And you can just tell, you know, like Lars just doesn't give a shit. And like, I'm just laughing my ass off because like how like whiny he is. Like, you guys just kind of ruined my life. And it's like, fuck you, dude. Like, you ended up fine. Oh my God. What a fucking D bag. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And so, like, rounding back, like, yeah, this album just sounds like shit. It's, uh, it's bad. It's like, there's moments where I can hear, like, if they took parts out and made it into a different song, it would work a lot better. But it's just, God, like, I think the most egregious song for me is Invisible Kid. Oh. That was a bad song that's just like, they're just throw. It did feel like to you, Paul, because it felt like it to me. Like they're just throwing every random idea at this song that they. <sighs> Dude, I felt like that with a lot of songs on this album. Like again, uh, I mean, "Say in Anger" the title track sucks. Dirty, uh, was it? Was dirty it, uh, window? Dirty window is boring, but yeah, "Invisible Kid." That's another eight minute song, right? That's that's one of those eight minutes. No solo. Like, what's yeah. Kurt Hammett doing? Yeah, I. Kurt Hammett sounds bored. I was, I mean, he had to be bored out of his fucking gourd on this. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not, I don't want to say it's not Metallica because it is Metallica, right? Um, but it's, it's fucking, yeah, it sounds like they're just doing whatever they can, throwing whatever they can up against the fucking wall and seeing what they can get away with, right? And, and what they can, what they can get 
you know, oh, you're told that, oh yeah, you know, we can do this, we can. It's bad. It's yeah. it's it's just the only word I have for it, dude. It's fucking bad. They only have themselves to blame for this. How like just fucking terrible this is. Like, and Bob Rock, like he should never be allowed to produce an album again after this because, dear God, like you're putting your name on this, people. Like, <laughs> just fucking. You know, trim this thing. It, it, there's a scene where they play it for their management, and the guy's like, he hears here's the first couple songs that they pick personally, and they keep playing for it, and you can just see the just like the look of disgust on his face. <laughs> like this album's bad. Like no, <laughs> to quote Lars's uh, dad, delete this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 ten shades of awful, dude. It really, 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 really is. It's it's. I I haven't. Uh, um, it's it's from a band that should know better. I, I, th- that's it. That's it right there, Joe. It that's it. It's from a band that should know better. Um, and that's where I get upset with this. Uh, in terms of what they should have done um and and what they did do yeah. is 10 shades of horrible yeah what they should have done is <clears throat> put the thing on hiatus once headfield went into rehab and yes. don't even bring like scrap these sessions and start a new once he was good mm-hmm. but then again, i don't know what the but the thing the documentary doesn't show you is like what the pressure they might have had from management and the label. Uh, you just don't know. I don't know that. I don't know what, but it it feels like there had to be some of that for this to have been such rushed, you know. And just like this has to come together, like because it just nothing about this album works. N- <laughs> nothing in this album works. And that's, I think, the key thing here. It, again, they fix some of the stuff live. Yep. It, it doesn't work. Now, I, I do want to bring up a few things here, uh, like, like um, if you don't mind, reviews, um, conversations, that kind of thing, um, with, with um, like, reviews and things of the album, okay? So, right now, the, the album holds a 65 out of 100 based on 20 reviews on Metacritic. Um, there's a lot of people like this that seems a little high. <laughs> it, it, well, again, uh, 20 reviews. Okay. 20 reviews. Um, the reviews on this were wildly crazy, dude. Like some people gave it one star. Pe- some people gave it four stars. I mean, it's just what it is. Um, you know, pop matters commented on the album saying, well, it's an ungodly mess at time. But you can hear what you hear on this album is a band playing with passion for the first time in years. Um, I didn't get any of that. I, I, I saw. Either. I heard people slugging along just to put out a fucking product. Yes, um, we're going to talk about this too because this is something that people. This is why you need to read reviews and not look at numbers. And we're going to talk about this uh, a little briefly. Um, uh, Blender said it may be too late uh, to rehabilitate a Metallica's Ill- image, but once again, their music is all about bringing the carnage. NME said the songs are stripped back, 
heroically brutal reflection of this fury. You get the sense that as with their emotional selves, they've taken metal apart and started again from scratch. There's no space wasted here. No time for petty guitar solos or down-tuned bass trickery. Just a focused, relentless attack. Okay. You're making excuses, again, for a band. And this is a band that... No, this is why I tell people, when you see a review number, you also need to read it. Because this is something that happens especially with video game and movie reviews and even music reviews. You're, they're now beholden. The, 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 the magazine or the, now really the YouTube channel, right? You don't get invited again if you don't review it right. You know, you don't you don't review it in a certain way. So now when you look at these reviews, you'll see things that are like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to give it a seven out of 10 or an eight out of 10. And then you go in and read it and you go, that's not a seven or an eight out of 10 review, man. Rolling Stone was infamous with that. (laughs) Yeah. Rolling Stone was infamous because they knew how to play the damn game. Yeah. So you'd see like whatever. What was there? Like four stars. Or five stars because they do the five star thing, and you mm-hmm. see like four and a half star review for like a U two album or another fucking whatever McCartney album. Yep, and it's just like it's just like praise. You know, the first couple graphs are like praising, and then they just beat the shit out of it because the writer's like, "This is a bad album." Yeah, yeah, and uh, speaking of um, Rolling Stone, well, we'll talk more about this. Um, I want to get into it a little bit more. All music praised the album. Punishing, unflinching document of an internal struggle. Taking listeners inside the bruised yet vital body of Metallica, but ultimately revealing the alternatively torturous and defiant demons that wrestle in Hatfield's brain. Okay. Um, And he says, St. Anger is an immediate record. No, it's not an immediate record. I will say, lyrically, it's dark. And, you know, it was there some demon exercising by Hatfield in this album? You could make that argument. Um... But let me tell you something. I've heard some really dark albums, and it just came from, you know, the imagination and the creativity of the fucking team that was working on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not gonna give some guy fucking. I'm not gonna give Hatfield credit. You know, for a guy that again skipped his his kid's fucking birthday so he could go get drunk in Russia. Sorry, man. You're not, yeah, you're not it, getting. And I'm sure, like, going through the treatment, he probably had ideas, but it just feels like this is rushed after he got out of treatment. Like, this, it feels like if they put more attention to the details and did a better production and really, like, focused on the songs, this would have been a different album. Mm-hmm. But it just feels just rushed right to the end, and it's from a band lost at sea. <laughs> yes. A million percent. Now... Um, I'm going to keep going here because I, I want you, I want you, I want you to, to just hear some of these things. Um, Rolling Stone magazine had a problem as a po- had a positive reaction to the direction taken. No wonder there is an authenticity to St. Anger's Fury that no uh, that none of the band's rap metal followers can touch. OK, um, he also commented there's no radio size four minute rock here. No pop-friendly choruses, no ballads, no solos, no wayward experimentation. I don't look at that as a positive review. Once again, Rolling Stone was notorious for that. When you listen to that, what I hear is, rap metal sucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Metallica's the best at doing it, and it still sucks. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at it, the Rolling Stone review gave it four out of five stars, which, <clears throat> again, Rolling Stone's infamous for giving legacy acts these, like, shining reviews, even though the albums suck. Their album guide gave it two and a half stars. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's where the, the you know... Rolling Stone, like, it's just a joke. You have to read through it because, you know, Jan Wenner was called out a few years ago because he kept insisting Rolling Stones, uh, Bruce Springsteen, U2, like, these legacy acts, they have to have a positive rating. Yep, yep. Like, it drove the reviewers nuts, and they eventually uh, came out on on that, which was just, like, no shocker, but it was, like, at least it felt, it was nice to have that confirmed. Yep. And Metallica is a legacy act. At this point in their career, they were around for 20 years. They were already a legacy act at this point. Now, remember how we said that Pop Matters gave it a positive? Well, this is the negative from Pop Matters. They said, the album dispenses with the recent spate of radio-friendly pleasantries in favor of a pedal-to-the-floor thrash, staggered and extended song structures, quick changes, and a muddled production that tries to harken back to the days of Kill 'Em All, all attempts fail miserably. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> hmm Yeah. Um, Pitchfork was, I think, the harshest on it. They gave the album a 0.8 out of 10. <laughs> 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 yeah. That, I'm not saying 8 out of 10. They gave it a 0.8 out of 10 and said that uh, Lars was playing with a drum set consisting of steel drums, aluminum toms, Program double kicks and a broken church bell. The kit's high-end clamor ignored the basic principles of drumming and timekeeping. Hatfield and Hammett's guitars underwent more processing than cat food when they both speed um, speed uh, strummed through St. Anger and most movements. They seemed to overwhelm each other with different terrible noise. Also, the duration of most songs made them boring to hear. (laughs) Yeah, and that's another thing. It's a boring Metallica album, which is a weird, you know, say what you will. Like some of the albums just, you know, they're not as good as the others. Uh, you know, I have my gripes, but I still like Load and Reload just because they're, it was, you know, they were doing something different. Uh, this is just boring. <laughs> it's a boring yeah. album. Like, I don't know what the hell. I, yeah, it, it was a chore to get through this one. And this is the thing. Again, you 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 like metal. I like metal. Uh, I like you know black metal, death metal, that type of thing. Um, this was not enjoyable in terms of anything. And you're right. I mean, for as much as it, you know, they you know, hear these reviewers going, "Oh man, you can hear the Metallica, you know, coming back." Blah blah blah. I don't. You're right. I I you didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. I hear a boring slog, like. And I. Th- and I think at this point, a lot of these reviewers were like, it was like, hope they like went in wanting this to be a better album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because at this point, they hadn't done like anything since Reload, which I think was like 97, 98. Well, when did S&M come out? Well, that's a live album. That's true. That's true. That is a and live so album. Was Fair enough. Garage Days was just, Garage Day, Garage Inc. or whatever, it was just like covers album. And that's true. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, so, yes. Okay. Like, this was like the first of new material, and you know, it just fell right on its face. Like, yeah, it's sold, but at this 2003 albums, you know, it didn't matter. This is toward the end of like large selling albums. It's just. It rode because it, it sold because it said Metallica on it. Well, and let and I want to talk a and little. They bit. resold it to me. 
<laughs> because of the sound Metallica made. <laughs> and I do want to, I, I, I think in hindsight, this is why reviews are so important, right? I think if people had been more honest at the time that this album sucked, um, I mean, when you look at it, okay, let's, I mean, when, when, okay, when the album came out, okay, the first week of sales were 400,000 copies. It debuted number one um, around the world because it's Metallica, right? Um, um, but when you look at what the singles were, they charted like number 21, number 28, number 18. Yeah. You know, they weren't very high up there. Like this was not a great album for them. No. And as you talked about, just because someone buys it doesn't mean they they got rid of it right away or don't like it. You know, I'm, I mean, it, Bruce Springsteen, I love the man to death. He's, he's, you know, an album has come out. Fuck. It's going to sell regardless if it's good or bad. Yeah. Um, you know, Coldplay for fuck's sake puts out an album. It's going to sell because it's, it's, you know, if yeah. Limp Biscuit came out with a new album tomorrow, do you know how many streams that would get because it's Limp Biscuit back? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. That's, that's not when you're a legacy act, that's kind of just how it goes. And th- Unfortunately, like it, it, for a lot of people, they put their blinders on with legacy acts like that. Mm-hmm. It's really frustrating to me. <laughs> like even like bands I like, like Springsteen, like he put out like a country western album like a few years ago, and I just thought it was fucking terrible. And like I'm looking at the reviews, and people are like Gaga over, and I'm like, why? Yeah, why? Why? Because it's Springsteen. Not... Yep. You know? Yep. Because it's Springsteen. Um, I, uh, you know, there's, all right, we could go on, but here we can go. We, so Paul, fuck. uh, I think we've come to the, the end of saying anger. Mm. Would you recommend this album? Um, I, I, I no, <laughs> you need this. You, you need to listen to this album. Like you need a head, like a, like you need a hole, a new hole in your head, man. <laughs> like, no, skip this. Like, you know, I mean. As Joe said, I'm gonna. I, I, you sold me. I'm gonna rewatch the documentary because again, it has been almost. It's been 18 years since I've seen it. Um, no, I, I, I tried. Like uh, in all honesty, when we listened to this, I was able to get through the album all the way through only once. Every other time, I found myself skipping, especially some of those eight minute songs. Like oh, I remember where this is going next. Oh, I remember this is going next. <laughs> it it yeah. was hard to make it through this album front to back three times. Joe, I, this this is the only album I've had to do that with. Every other album that we've reviewed up to this point, even Momentary Lapse of Reason, I was able to make it through front to back. As angry as I was, I didn't skip the songs because I needed to do it for our art. I couldn't do it with this one. Yeah, it's it's a rough one. I wouldn't recommend it, but I would recommend watching the doc. Yes. It's interesting. I'm a music fan, so I'll watch a documentary on I watched a documentary on the Eagles and I hate that band. <laughs> I'm just a sucker for them, but this is just it it's hilarious and like I said, it's unintentionally hilarious. They don't realize how ridiculous they are, which makes it all the better for me. And I I've said this before like 
it was on the Genesis podcast when we did Lamb Lies Down. Like, pretentiousness is so hilarious to me. And I yes, come it from, is. Like my uh, love of Monty Python that always just mocks pretentiousness, and they just don't get it, and it's mm. hilarious. Hmm. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that one. Don't listen to the album uh, again. I, I'm good. You sold me on the documentary. I'm going to rewatch the documentary. Um. Fuck this album. <laughs> fuck this. Well, Paul, we made it though. Uh, it, <laughs> it was a fun one to talk about because there's like just, there, it was one of those albums. Is like the story, like everything that could go wrong did. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, and it's like it's not even a good comeback story. Like the odds were against them, but they eventually came back with the lamb lays down on Broadway. Like no, they came back with shit sandwich. You know. <laughs> Yeah, they yeah they came back with shit sandwich, dude. Yeah. All right, all right. That wraps it for uh, Saint Anger. Uh, let's do some plugs, Paul. What do you have coming up? Uh, let's see here. What do I have coming up? Well, um, you know, um, uh, hopefully by um, you know, we're, we're obviously you guys know we're behind when we do these plugs. Um, that's just the way it's kind of designed at this point. Um. Uh, the second episode of Stranger Things hopefully will be out in two weeks. Um, hopefully I'll get the um, next episode of uh, Cast That Movie, which is Dante's Peak, out next week. Um, <laughs> fuck, dude. That is, and then we know what the one we're going to do after that. Do you want to know what we're going to do after that? Let's hear it. Geely. Whew. Not I'm, even the good... Uh... <laughs> Uh, no, not, I, not, I'm not even saying good as in good as like the half, the cut, somewhat watchable <laughs> Ben Affleck J Lo movie, Jersey Girl, and I hated that, but at least I enjoyed uh, George Carlin. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 yeah. And right, you were the one that rewarded me. You're like, no, no, because I thought it was Jersey Girl. Like I got the two confused. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, no, dude, you're in for the shit. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, you're. You're world of hurt, brother. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> cream rises to the top. Cream of the crop. Um, you know, uh, honestly, with this one, would you go with, uh, um, I, I, again, I would take Gilmer. Gilmer, get back on the bus. You're rehired. <laughs> Put some solos on this, Gilmer. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, they really gilmered this one up. Oh, they gilmered this one really, really bad. Um, oh. I'm surprised Bob Ezra wasn't, Ezra wasn't the fucking <laughs> producer. Oh, he's going to be creeping up in these podcasts so often. <laughs> oh, he sure is, sir. Um, all right. Yeah, what do you got going on? That You surprised me with something, but go on. You had something yeah, on the Yeah, so we released the Red Dragon review. Uh, you know, the, the crappy version of Manhunter, which is a fucking masterpiece it's such a good movie i love that movie yeah and so i decided because i didn't want to sit through four hours of Zack snyder uh, gloom uh, i switched my pick so the next review coming out is the mortal Kombat remake or not remake uh reboot reboot yes yes i will be honest with you man i sat through both i have sat through both the remote the mortal Kombat reboot and i have sat through uh, I forced myself this weekend to sit through and watch Batman v Super or the 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 Justice League um, Zack Snyder cut. Yeah, it's long. And, it's long. And it's not. It doesn't add anything. 
whatever. Well, Brown and I will get into that too, but yeah, it's, it's unnecessary along. Uh, Zack Snyder has no business making movies in my opinion at this point. Like he just can't, he doesn't understand story structure. He doesn't understand motivations of characters. Like he just doesn't get it. I, you know, I don't, I don't do the, the Joe down with you guys, but I, I just want to say my opinion, since you know, you brought that up was he tried to do Watchmen in a DC universe and that doesn't work. No. And it, he already did Watchmen, so like, Yes. Yeah, what well, yeah, it's just, you know, Watchmen is great because that was like a movie with there isn't superheroes, right? Yeah. It's just people in costumes except for Dr. Manhattan. It doesn't translate well and I'm sorry, man. You, you know, part of the reason why no Justice movie, Justice League movie, will ever work. They don't get Superman right. They, they never. They never. Like uh, Christopher Reeves was probably the closest to a, a, you know, a good Superman. Like the movies just weren't. They're entertaining enough, but like in this day and age, it's just everybody's so gritty and uh, trying to replicate Nolan's uh, Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, it's. Well, it's just and, not going to work. Well, no, and I mean, I just, I just mean like, 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 like again, I'm going to get nerdy for just a second, if I may, since you know we're, we're doing that. Look, in 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 the Justice League movie, there's a part where he's fighting Wonder Woman, right? Uh, for you know, for reasons. <laughs> yeah, for reasons? Question mark. For her reasons. And the Wonder Wonder Woman brutally murdering this <laughs> terrorist. That, right. Oh. Right, and you know, so okay, so he's fighting Roman. Now, here's the thing: Superman is what's known as a, a mage tank in the geek world, and what that means is, you know, your mages are your powerful ones, but they're supposed to be weak, and your tanks are supposed to be weak. They take a lot of damage, but they, but they, you know, it's, it's why why the term mage tank exists. Okay, and that is what Superman is. He's a fucking mage tank. However. Super nerdism in the comics, Superman does have a weakness besides kryptonite. You know what it is? It's fucking magic. That's why they put him against magical enemies most of the time. Lex Luger is the most famous one. Yeah. Lex Luthor, not Lex, not Lex Luger. Miss <laughs> <laughs> WWE superstar Lex Luger. Get on the Lex Express, baby. Um, yeah. yeah, didn't he kill uh, Macho Man's ex or something? No, he uh, didn't kill her. She just overdosed at his house or something like that. They, she OD'd um, with him. Yeah, um, they were pardoning. He passed out, and she OD'd. Yeah, um, Miss Elizabeth. Miss Elizabeth. Yep. All right. And what's that? <laughs> R.I.P. Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, R.I.P. Miss Elizabeth. That was unfortunate. But um, so he has a weakness, and it's magic. Wonder Woman's powers are based in magic. Like if Wonder Woman and Bat and Superman were to fight, she would actually not 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 Batman versus Superman. Batman would kill Superman in a second. Wonder Woman could actually damage Superman. And in this thing, there's this fight between them, and she uses the lasso, and it does nothing. And it's like, okay, is that like you guys, like people just don't understand the Superman character because all they're going off of is the previous movies and television appearances. No one's actually digging into the Superman lore and going, oh, by the way, there's some really cool other vil- villains besides Lex Luger that will not uh, Lex Luthor, <laughs> goddamn it, Lex Luthor that will make sense. And 
you put him in this world with these with these other characters. Like that's why he's dead for fucking three hours of the goddamn movie because it'd be over in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. My, I just glazed over, man. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. That's fair. No, that's fair, man. I, <laughs> like, that's I, just, like that's too deep for comic books for me. Like, yeah. I knew that was like when I was younger, but I just not kept track. And it, oh, I haven't. That's the thing with superhero movies; they expect you. Just to like, especially the DC ones, like you have to have like this preconceived knowledge, and I just, I don't, just make an entertaining movie. That's yeah. all I ask. And yeah. you didn't do it. You didn't do it. They didn't do it. Zack Snyder just, he's, he's fucking terrible. Did you watch the Mortal Kombat movie? I did watch the Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, you know, I know you're going to do the Joe down, but what was your preliminary thoughts on it? It was so fucking bad. It was almost, I think it was worse, a worse movie experience for me than. <laughs> the Snyder Cut of Justice League. Okay, I'm glad you said that. It because... started really good with Scorpion oh, Sub Zero, and then it just fucking nosedives. That first seven minutes of the movie is amazing, right? Yeah. And you know, I I I I was watching it with my wife, and I, you know, immediately, immediately, I'm like, oh my god, this is so predictable, like. You know, this is, I, I knew exactly w- what was going to happen when Cole was going to get his arcana. You know, it just was like, ah, uh, you guys could have done something. So, and, you know, and they tried to make it without a tournament. And yeah, what they have to do is very up, Yeah. And, and what they do, they end up making a tournament anyways. Like, why didn't you just do that from the beginning and not have a fucking 50 minute lull in the middle of the movie? Yeah. I honestly enjoyed the 1995 movie a lot more mm-hmm. just cause it's just, it's cheesy, but whatever. It wasn't like this movie was just, you know, Goro, like, why is he like a hitman? All of it? Like, you know, I, I I'm going to save this for the drill down. Cause I, I'm getting a rage. Fucking. Yeah. No, save it. No, save it. Right no, no, man. Nope. Trying to think of it. Um, uh, but yeah, that's, what's coming up with the Joe down. Uh, Paul, uh, this week, uh, you haven't told me what your next pick no. is, and you you keep snickering like a psychopath whenever I bring it up. So, well, what <laughs> album are you listening to? God damn it! Oh, oh Gilmer, <laughs> you, you Gilmered yourself so bad with this last pick. Whoo! We are going to do a doozy next week, buddy. We are going to do Duran Duran's eighth studio album, "Thank You," which is. A cover album. 